Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. Welcome back, rugby fans. Here we are again at the Rugby Rant Podcast Show for episode 134. As per usual, joining me by my side, we got Scott, the big guy Ferrara, Rob, the hammer Hammerschmidt, myself, Ty, the Saffa Braga. Here is your rant, boys, for today's action. And gentlemen, we've got an exciting episode lined up here today because so many people have been talking about new franchise, how it's coming about, the news is a drip through who are we talking about the miami sharks kind of gone a little bit against norm in how they've done it uh in their reveal in their drippings of what's to come for 2024 and that's what we're going to debate how they have done it as opposed to how it's been done before and we'll talk more about that in a moment but not before we dive into the familiar around the pitch so be back in just a moment when we pick up the ball we also pick up a legacy a legacy that stretches beyond your current team a legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work and for those who will come after you we promise it won't be easy but we'll be there supporting you on and off the field Gentlemen, you know how it goes. As a reminder for everybody else tuning in, we're going to send forth out to the airwaves, wherever the rugby fans may be, a bit of news that we think is noteworthy. And we're going to hand it off to Scott, the big guy Ferrara, first up. Let's get hot, baby. So we have a competition update from the MLR um, from, I would say, the tape scene around the world between uh, Houston and New York coaches kind of throwing punches and slaps. Kick. And if you don't think this match means an awful lot to these two sides, take a look at what happened as we went to commercial. That is the head coach, Pote Human, on the pitch with one of the New York coaches there. And a swing and another swing. And my goodness, tempers absolutely boiling over here. Uh, the competition update states the league office is investigating an incident that took place on the sideline during the match between New York and Houston on April 23rd, 2023. Upon completion of the investigation, the league will take any necessary action in line with our competition and behavior regulations. Be advised, we do this podcast uh, recording on Monday. Judiciary meets on Tuesday. But with the, what they're talking about, it might be longer than a two or three day turnaround. So be prepared for maybe there's a decision or there's an explanation of what's going on prior to this episode dropping or afterwards. But that's the update from the MLR. 
Yeah. And I'm glad that you bring that up because you got to let due process take its course, right? I mean, sure, mm-hmm. it's unprecedented in many ways, but it is within the league. It happened field side during a match. So it really follows the same disciplinary action as you might see another player, uh, regardless of who the participants are. So it's a really good point. We'll leave it not to speculation because we assume we'll be getting some great news um, shortly to learn more about that. And uh, talking about MRLR, we're going to stay on that topic as we hand it over to you, Rob. Thanks. Yeah, we've been marking the time here as we've been going along. 50 players with 50 MLR caps. We're continuing with that because we want to honor all these guys. They've all put in their time and done a lot to build this league to where it is today. And hopefully they will be setting forth a legacy as this league moves forward. So first off, Speaking of slaps, it's Scott's favorite prop who every once in a while gives a wily slap from across the ruck. That would be Paul Mullen from the Utah Warriors. Bit of irony there. Uh, but, um, you know, with the slap between Houston and Rooney. Nevertheless. Um, he's using the great segue there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, he's obviously a, a tremendous prop in his own right. Eagle number mm-hmm. uh, 525. Played for San Diego, Houston. And now Utah, um, interesting number 58 on San Diego, number 27 um, for Houston. And he is number 43 on the way to 50 players with 50 caps. And then we want to take the next guy. This guy is special for the rugby rant uh, because Tucks, Brad Tucker, was one of the funnest interviews we've ever had mm-hmm. on the rugby rant. We had a lot of fun with Tucks. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing of it is, is, is with respect to, you know, the NFL and when the NFL players inducted into the hall of fame, there's always a question about, you know, who's he going to go in under? Will he be a Steeler or will he be a, you know, a, a, a Viking or whatever, and, or Rogers case now as of Monday, will he be a Packer or a Jet when he goes into the hall of fame? Um, will Tux be uh, a, 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 a Seawolf or will he be an iron worker? I don't know. But um, he did hold the shield in 2019, and uh, he is now number 82 on the Ironworkers list of players and number 44 in the 50 caps uh, march that we have going on. So stay tuned. We're going to keep going until we hit all 50. Right. Creeping ever closer mm-hmm. to it. And I love in an earlier episode, you, Rob, you, you mentioned that when you had the opportunity to chat to, uh, to Rob Carney from uh, the Irish. Yeah that it is actually a great tradition not you know don't think that this is uniquely uh you know a north american rugby that we celebrate club achievements like this but it's done so overseas too maybe in a slightly different manner but this is a great achievement for any player to be able to say they've devoted this much time to developing professional rugby in the u.s and many of which right from the start which is why we're celebrating these first 50 so i love that it's interesting you say that ty because you know, uh, obviously, Mark O'Keefe got his 50th a couple of weeks ago. Right. Uh, I was there to witness that, which was really cool for, for me. But then this weekend, we had a bunch of signings come forth in the league, and there were a couple on the Chicago Hounds side of things. And actually, the first time ever, I've seen some of the Hounds caps that they're giving for the first ever cap. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that it was a proud moment to be able to begin yeah. their career. Uh, it's such a great franchise. So let's... Uh, 
turn our attention slightly, gentlemen, away from uh, from Major League Rugby, and we're going to turn our attention to the not only the women's game, but kind of the next generation. We're going to really call it the next generation if they're out there already playing their trade at the highest level possible. I'm actually talking about uh, uh, Golf Rugby recently highlighted the five finalists that have been nominated for the Sorensen Award. Now, you have in the men's version, you have the Rudy Schultz Award. You need to be able to honor players at a high school level, the top at a college level, and you do so in each part of the game. This is for the ladies game at a university college level names. You'll recognize if you've been following women's USA Eagles, Hope Rogers, uh, Raquel Johnson, uh, Elizabeth Cairns, uh, Gabby Cantona, uh, Caitlin Broughton. You, you these are ladies already applying their trade at the highest level. You got Exeter Chiefs, you got Harlequins players uh, across uh, uh, the waters. So to be able to see them in a list like this that represents them at a college level is kind of a little bit strange, but it just shows you how exciting that version of the game is, how great that game is exploding, and the potential it has because these are they're already playing the Pacific Four series. So take note of these names, folks. If you've not yet dived into the rich uh, pedigree of, of talent that the USA Eagles have, you should. And these are the names that you could easily start with and see on any roster in the in the near future. So make sure that you do so by paying attention to them. We hope to be able to share uh, the winning information, which will be announced this June uh, at a banquet, June 10th in Washington. Uh, and we'll be staying close to that information to share who comes out on top. But right now, any of those names are in the mix and deserve to be there and any one of them could uh, take it away so i think that's exciting stuff there and to continue that form hand it back to you scott so we're going to talk about something we referenced in our last uh, uh rant with tj olsen uh there was a couple wpl matches two of them were curtain raisers uh for some mlr teams but we're going to start off with the one that was in berkeley all blues uh senior club beats uh Cowra wpl 32 to 24 at SeatGeek Stadium, we had Chicago North playing Twin City Amazon. Chicago North winning 31-19. And the big guy was there to watch the New York Rugby Club women take on Life West and win 30-22, which had a couple tries that were really, really uh, ESPN top 10 worthy in that match. It was really fun to see. And this is how we're g- trying to grow the women's game. And like I said before, and I've said this a million times, we should be partnering. The MLR team should be partnering with the WPL teams, and they should be curtain raisers constantly for those teams that are within that 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 area of MLR team, because I got to be honest, the rugby's fucking fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, they just need the opportunity to be able to showcase it. It's a great product. We all know that, right? But you need to give them the platform to be able to play upon that stage. And that's a perfect partnership. I love that you highlight that. Thanks very much. Let's hand it over to you again, Rob. What else have you got for us? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we just had the two semifinals in the CRAA D1A uh, system. Um, We had some great finals. Navy beat LU 12 to 10. Boo. Um, Cal over BYU 51. Some, but really good matchups, but all on TRN. Check them out if you haven't done so. Uh, really interesting contrast to set up for the final. Very strong defensive teams from the East in, uh, in, in Navy coming in, and it was a strong defensive battle in that, in that semifinal match. You know, high scoring you know, very free-flowing play, lots of gaps, lots of, you know, runs off his shoulders um, out of the West. So it'll be an interesting matchup in Houston in two weeks. 
at Sabercat Stadium, May 6, 6.30 p.m. It will be on TRN. I'll actually be down there for the match. And I'll be down there for the 56 seven matches on sevens matches on Saturday, the 27s matches on Sunday, and the men's and women's cup, bowl, and plate finals. It should be awesome. It's going to be fun to be in that festival style atmosphere. I'm really, really pumped to watch some college rugby. Go Navy, baby. Go Navy. Yeah, on on that note though, too, you got the the CRCs this weekend as well, um, April twenty eighth to thirtieth. Um, so, I mean, there's plenty of college rugby going on right now. I mean, the sevens program for them, you're going to see some exciting rugby. Uh, my last piece, just to be able to build on top of that though, there, Rob, is you also have the ability to be able to watch those matches this weekend. A combination between uh, the rugby network and also on their YouTube channel. Do yourself a favor, go and check out the CRC website online. You can find it through the NCR um, and, and take a look at the brackets. Look who's there. There are some really big, exciting matches lined up, uh, many of which are highlighted um, on there. You can check the brackets. It's going to be a really great format to be able to enjoy this rugby. Uh, for the first time ever, they're actually going to be able to have not just the main field, but all the other fields. So all the action is going to be covered this time around. So there's a lot more great rugby content for everybody to be able to participate in and enjoy and remember that's the next generation so why wouldn't you want to pay attention to it right so gentlemen thank you very much for sharing what you know and what you think fans should know and we're going to be back in just a moment once we hear a little bit more from one of our partners who help us do what we do here on the rugby rant podcast show and that's help grow rugby one fan at a time we'll be back in a moment Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Welcome back, rugby fans. We're here in the debate part of this episode, which many fans have come to know as the opportunity to be able to rant. So what does that mean? That today we need to be able to tell you what we're talking about here. And it's going to be an interesting one because fans love this topic. They always do, no matter what season it is, right? Is the talk of new teams joining the MLR. 
Now, most recently, we had uh, the Chicago Hounds who joined us in this season. That was exciting because it kind of came out of nowhere, we thought, right? Although, obviously, behind the scenes, there were murmurs, there were chatters about what's that next city that's going to be the front runner. St. Louis was thrown out there. Chicago was thrown out there. But ultimately, it ended up with Chicago being able to get their act together under a lot of strain and stress, which I'm sure these boys will bring up as an key point in this conversation, because really what we're trying to be able to debate is what structure should there be, what benchmarks should exist to be able to identify a team to join the league, and how do we measure when they get there, how they get there, and should that be general knowledge for the fans to be able to pay attention to? With that transparency, will the opportunity for others become more clear? This is what we're going to unpack and more. And we're going to hand it to each of these gentlemen here. As you know, you got the Scott, uh, Scott, the big guy, and you've got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. On the last occasion, I'm not sure who went first, but let's just say, uh, Rob, you're going first this time. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, I want to real quick before we get going, I want to throw a big shout out over here, whoop, over here, my bad, to the Noel Gold Diggers showing up big here in Chicago. Had a lot of fun with them. Great crowd. A lot of fun this weekend. Really enjoyed myself. So thank you, guys. You know who I'm talking about. Um, in this one. So first of all, let me just start by saying this. I am not going to disparage the Chicago Hounds um, at all. Uh, in this. And and I, I think it's important to recognize what they've accomplished, what James English has done as a CEO has been nothing short of amazing to bring a team from, you know, somewhere in October to the beginning of January uh, to get boots on the ground ready for a preseason and then right. to play on February 17th. Nothing short of amazing. So this, my point isn't about the hounds or the sharks. It's just about Generally, I've advocated for the last year and a half of having a set, standardized, formal process and procedure that teams should follow to getting in the league. And the, one of the reasons is, and it stems from what happened after after Dallas. You know, Dallas, you know, had all these promises, all this hype. We thought they were coming, and all of a sudden, at the last minute, they backed out, and they right. left a lot of ticket holders feeling like you know uh, the, their their uh, Joe dogs were swaying in the wind, right? They right, and players who moved cross stuff. country expecting to start their new career somewhere else. Correct. Yeah, it's where I was going to go with that. Is, is you got you, know, you had players move wholesale. I mean, mm -hmm. Mikey Brown, uh, Scott, you know, you know Mikey very well. Moved his family. So he had twins on the way for cripe's sake, and you know he couldn't even when nothing happened. He stayed because he had commitments that he had already made. He stayed in Dallas instead of going to Seattle, where he went in his next uh, in his next move. So, I mean, when there are those kind of stakes on the line, I think there needs to be a formalized process. Um, and what we're seeing out of the Sharks has been pretty slick. I mean, think about it in this way: they've announced February eighth, one year and change from the official from officially taking the field. They have a strong ownership group on the coaching staff. Just as of um, today, of, of recording. They've announced their head coach, uh, Jose, uh, and I'll probably butcher the name, Pella Sena, yes. or, yep. or or what's called um, what, Cody is his, is his nickname. Um, and then uh, CEO Mark Winokur, who is an experienced CEO, by the way, with Toronto. Um, so they've got a good core there. And then there, you've seen like various marketing components come out. Right. And that's what we want to see, this kind of gradual, slow buildup 
mm-hmm. and, and procedure. You know, ticket sales are being are being um, marketed right now, and in order for the team to move forward and 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 gain traction and people to have faith in that system and that process, they got to know that there are set standards that are being met that the league is requiring in order to move forward. Uh, and when those aren't met, you know fans and ticket holders might be able to pump the brakes before committing to season tickets right. or before committing Not two to weeks before the season started. Right. Dallas, Players Dallas, as well. Dallas, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, of course, avoid all the, the, the fallout that comes with it. But, you know, it's also not a good look for the brand of Major League Rugby or rugby in general in North America, especially as now the eyes are cast upon it as a whole, regardless whether it be in the in the house of MLR or the house of USA Rugby, you know, we're all globally being looked upon and and to set those standards as high as possible and also be brave enough to hold those franchisees to those standards, which is a new league is quite a difficult thing to be able to do, right? Because you need to be able to have that right touch, that right balance. So as the team expands, we already know that how important new franchises are to the league because with that comes the franchise fee, which is propping up the league in many different areas. So it's a delicate political uh, swing here and there. And, oh, man, I tell you what, I'm glad I don't have that job. But it is important for fans to be able to know, how do we get there? And, you know, I want to be able to throw it over to you now, Scott, with uh, uh, your thoughts before I jump in with some of my own. Sure. We're we're still cooking here. I mean, I think there should obviously be some benchmarks, but we've seen, you know, teams like, you know, New York and Toronto take their year to figure out, you know, 2018 season, what they were going to do coming to the 2019 season where they were both successful and both made the playoffs. You know, then, you know, we use Dallas as an example of sometimes it doesn't work out. And to be honest, post pandemic, definitely harder for them to get it started than it would have been in 2019. You know, had they had the, 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 whatever they had going on, you know, going on then. So, I mean, you know, you also have to take into account and, you know, I, I wonder in 30 years from now, when we're talking about teams like Dallas and their ill-fated start, like remember the pandemic. I mean, we didn't have any rugby. We were we were interviewing Mikey Teo from friggin' Bermuda in the rugby tens, you know, and it yeah. was mostly MLR players playing in it, you know, and 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 we were uncertain. We were uncertain of the future, and then we came in, and 2021 season was going to be a pushed a month back, uh, and you know we were couldn't find a match. We couldn't find a field for San Diego versus Rooney, you know, because the fields were then taken up for COVID vaccines. Like you know, it, it's it's. Sometimes you're going to stumble through this type of thing. Um, Chicago, as, as we kind of talked about, you know, going through their ownership and, and having a first group and having a second group and kind of having an ease into that plan. I think the hardest part was the, the players, and I think that's going to be the, the hardest thing for anybody. But as long as the players are coming and you're, you can feel them with a, a healthy safety preseason, um, don't see it why you can't do it quickly if it's possible. Um, but talking about Miami, I, I look looking at this and having a, a long – you know, process and, and picking a coach and doing this seems like a great thing now, but it, you know, is he going to be the coach in 2024? Like that's not a question that you, it, it's a good question. It, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not saying it is going to happen, but it is a question. Cause I mean, you know, it, it, this is sports and this is rugby. And you know, if he gets a better offer elsewhere, what's stopping him from going, you know, and we've seen that in the MLR where we've had players come and sign with different teams and then you don't see them play because they've been released to go play for a league that has a little more prestige and is giving a little more money. And why shouldn't we give those guys the opportunity to move that way? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, so I think it's 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 twofold. It's 
if you can get it done in a smaller time frame in a safe right way, why not? But as we grow in the league and we're starting to get to that point, we do have to provide benchmarks. And I think, you know, I think we're just going to say this word till it fucking happens is transparency. And <laughs> yeah. we, we're still That's not getting it on this show. <laughs> yeah. We're still not getting it from the league. I mean, let's you know, mm-hmm. not to be a jerk, but to look back on the suspension of Heineke Meyer and giving absolutely no detail into that. You right. know, and, and it's not just that that's just high profile one that happened recently, but you know, the exodus of the, the, you know, Gilchrist teams and, and the tight lipness mm-hmm. of all that. And granted there was legal things that, that go on to that. And I understand that, but you know, like still, you know, the, if you, if you were transparent about little things that aren't going to be legal problems, when you come to things that are legal problems and say, Hey, this is a legal issue. We're not commenting. Uh-huh. Then we can kind of take that and say, okay, and I understand trust. that. Exactly. You're the trust is there. So we yeah. will trust you that that's the correct statement. So I think we do need a benchmark system at some point. I don't know if we need it right now, um, but we just need more transparency. And in, in, in so let me throw this really. back to you for a moment, because you said, yeah, we need transparency. No one's ever going to argue that. That's something that we've all said right from the very first episode, I think was probably the topic then. Uh, and so it stayed a theme for us and for fans who enjoy the show. They're all like-minded. Um, and you say that there has to be a benchmark system. So if you were not a fan of rugby right now, and you were just looking in as a potential investor and you're going into year seven, you know, concluding uh, uh, this, where do you think, do you think, when, when do you think a league that's young, I mean, when do we stop calling ourselves a young league, you know, at 10, at 15, at 20, at what point should they develop this? When should they have this moment? I mean, in my opinion, that moment should happen when they start to expand the salary cap and the money that the players are getting, because uh-huh. that's where, that's when you're going to start getting the talent, the, the bigger name talent and the bigger names to promote the league. Right. And as you promote right. the league, the league's going to grow exponentially. And then all of a sudden you're talking about, we're not a minor league baseball type system we're in the nhl category we're in the nba category eventually right right so i think it's it's not necessarily time wise it's money wise and how much money is being input and i think one of the things the leagues the league should do is is if they're courting potential investors that aren't necessarily rugby minded is have the big ownership like the phil groves and the and the bolt guy boltons and and the grvs and and all that Sell the fucking why they bought their own teams, you know what I mean? And, and sell that. It shouldn't right. just be the They're league. The selling. Investors. I mean, they bought yeah, exactly, it. you know, exactly, you know. So, and and bring the and, and say this is the potential it brings and this is the potential we see. You mm-hmm. know, and look at what TRN's doing, and all of a sudden, TRN's now doing the CRCs. TRN had the Eagles on this past year. TRN's probably right. going to have some, some type of the Sevens World Cup at some point too. And you have um, you to know, think that that's also a pretty interesting opportunity there too, that if TRN grows to be the primary rugby uh, uh, platform for, for rugby fans, they basically would have ownership of this platform through MLR, even though it's being run by rugby pass, but we all know it's an MLR baby. They might have the opportunity to be able to have a piece of that. At least broadcasting could be built into it. And those are big factors when you are trying to be able to introduce to, to an, uh, you know, this uh, to a broader audience. Um, so I wanted to be able to take the opportunity to be able to highlight some of the benchmarks that I might have suggested um, for, for Miami, because that's the most recent one we're talking about. You know, they've already uh, done so earlier. They've announced their 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 involvement earlier than any other franchise before, or at least 
correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think it's earlier than any other franchise. They've already done a lot of things with their marketing and all of that. So here's some of the things that I think many people might agree. One, from here on forward, secure uh, funding for stadium and facilities, right? They've already shown on social media a short video because they think about engagement now like this. Hey, what do you think of this for a, a venue? And it's, you know, a high school stadium. And the next time it's a, it's a college stadium. So they're doing these type of things. Uh, develop a comprehensive marketing and community engagement plan, clinics and things like that. Um, I'm sure we'll come to see that. A lot of teams first came out and then thought about that afterwards. Uh, higher coaching and management staff. We see some of those appointments, but we expect to be able to see more of those coming available. Recruit players and build a competitive roster. Of course, you want to make sure that that's going to be one of the latest steps. Uh, establish partnerships with local businesses and sponsors. Uh, meet league requirements for player safety, financial stability, and operational standards. Now, that last point is where I want to be able to linger for a moment because they are among the most important. Rob, I know that you've spent quite a bit of time in, in conversations in that, that circle around this. How important do you think it is for them to have clarity in this area, to set clear benchmarks and effectively communicate them and monitor them? Uh, extremely important. And I guess I would say this, and, and I, I would love to say and answer the question that you posed to Scott that that it has to start now, but I, I don't mm -hmm. think that's realistic. And I think again, I, I, I wasn't trying to be negative towards Allen's in the way in which they came in the league. What I was trying to say is, you know, I think the league was looking for a win on the back of Gilligate, and I think that the Hounds saw an opportunity to get in at an earlier point. Which you know, what kind of ownership doesn't want to get a footprint in sooner? So there's no disrespect to what they did. I think both were taking advantage of an opportunity. Uh, that being said, what I think they need to do is set up, uh, set up a few benchmarks now, right? You mentioned venue. I don't want to have to guess as to what the venue is going to be if right. I'm going to be a spectator. I mean, quite frankly, we're hearing the differences between the venues right now. And what I'm hearing that in some venues, you got to use a porta potty to go to the restroom, whereas in other venues like SeatGeek, we know the final is going to be there. It's a first-class stadium, Snapdragon first-class stadium. I mean, isn't Wrexham playing Man U and, and, and Snapdragon? Yes, uh, that's right. right. And I think Chelsea too. Right, mm -hmm. right. So, you know, we're talking about first-class stadiums. You know, um, I don't want to have to guess as to that when I order my tickets as a season ticket, uh, potential season right. ticket holder. You know, marketing plan. Uh, of course, the ownership, you know, group and and the, the, the you know, the, the finances are there. Um, you know, a few of those pieces – as we develop as a league and as we grow closer to 2033 and as we see TRN develop a more uh, uh, kind of a, a business model for um, that's actually, uh, you know, can turn a profit, then we'll see more people have interest. And when that interest comes, we can expand those benchmarks to be much more specific and much more finely tuned. But let's start now. So we're not on the back heels of what we need to do five and 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's going to take time to be able to get there. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting point that you brought up the venue. I mean, and it, it establishes expectations, by the way. Yeah. Right? I mean, think about that. That, that probably for me, I wrote that down as the first thing that I'd like to be able to see from the Miami Sharks after everything they've already done. 
because you can plan your travel. You know who your partners are going to be locally. You know what your community is going to be. So everything else falls into place. And so often I've seen this left until much later. And unfortunately, it's not always in their hands to be able to know this ahead of time. We always know that we're not going to be the primary tenant. So we're certainly going to have to work around other schedules. Now, SeatGeek is a great example. They actually had the absences of things. So things fell into place. Opportunities came about. No, no, really great. Yeah, they still have to work around tenants. They have the Red Stars and they, they have the, do. The, the, yeah. the, the development, fire development team. So they're still working around it. And they felt, by the way, they felt some of the pains of that, at least early mm-hmm. on. Now that they've really developed a rapport and a trust and, and, right. and, and, and a relationship, I think it's been gone a little easier for them moving forward. So I think that we, we can all agree that one of the next things we would like to be able to see for the Miami Sharks and also very high up on that benchmark or that list of priorities for your new franchise, secure a venue as early as yeah. possible. And many of these other pieces of the puzzle will fall into place naturally because you'll know who your partners will be. You'll know how wide your radius is for your marketing. You, I mean, gosh, we don't need to be able to go through all the details. I think people can understand the importance of it. Um, but it also financially feasibility you know we, we got to think three to five seasons we've always spoken about this um so you know and franchise fees have always been a hot topic on this show for fans and as well as for for people who have joined us as guests so and, and there's still not enough clarity there i guess what we wanted to be able to do is to be able to walk away from this conversation for fans if we were to be able to ask the mlr today these are the things that we would like to be able to know as the passionate rugby fans out there. How do you get to be a part of the league? These are some of the things we would want to be able to have as benchmarks. One, need to know about what is the fr- uh, franchise fees? How are they used? As a fan, you want to be able to know that what's going to marketing? How much is growing the game? What is the outreach community? What is the commitments? You don't have to go too in-depth. I'm not asking you to share your business plan with us, but I want to know a piece of it is going to this, a piece of that is going to that. I don't even care how much, right? But we want to know where the pennies are, are being distributed. Uh, venue, marketing, and all that type of stuff. And then typically, how far out do they be able to start these conversations? Because if you're only two weeks out and uh, and you still haven't hit a lot of the benchmarks, when's the cutoff? When do they say to a potential franchisee, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be next year for you? I mean, right now it's two weeks before the season, apparently. You know, with the well, Dallas that's what the standard game. has been set. And unfortunately, we had nothing else to be able to go from. <laughs> but yeah, a really, really good point. So um, I, I guess I'll just throw it back to you, gentlemen, because this could be a much broader and deeper conversation as we dive into some of the nuances. But if I had to be able to ask you, as a casual fan, you were tuning into rugby in North America, learning about Major League Rugby. You became passionate about the sport, the same journey that you have already had and many others after you hopefully will have. What would be one of the standout things that you would want to be able to know in this process from Major League Rugby? Can you think of any right now? Ownership group and and sponsorship opportunities, you know, because the, the sponsorship is obviously, a, you know, a, um, it's a you know, in a business model, it's one of the revenue streams, right? right. So and it's also a vote of confidence in your product. Yeah. And then venue for me, I think is important. And at some point along the line, you know, um, within, I would say six months, perhaps uh, four months from, you know, preseason, you actually mm-hmm. have a brand, you know, that's right. been released, you know, again, going not to hit upon it, 
and and in in defense of the Hounds, like I think they had a clear brand and vision for what they want to do in very relatively short order. And all of a sudden, from what several sources have told me, said, no, 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 we've been working on this new thing. And you know, because I've been told that the actual the green and white uh horizontal stripe jerseys that they wore, you know, right around St. Patrick's Day, those were actually supposed to be their home kit. Interesting. And and obviously, uh, where you spend a lot of time being able to decide that, to build your brand, you spend yeah. money, you spend resources, and then suddenly to be able to be like, hey, guys, we have it. Oh, uh, by the way, sorry, somebody else called dibs first. Right. It's not exactly <laughs> a great system, is it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it does highlight the struggles and the stresses uh, under a new franchise that especially under uh, under such a short window to be able to do so. And again, we give them credit, but could they have had an easier run at it? Could things have been easier for them by changing a few of these things? Absolutely. So we're not looking back and going, oh, well, this should have been done better. We're looking at this as a lesson is how can we do it? We have a team that has successfully done it in like, what was it? Probably three, three and a half months. I don't know. You know better than I do, Rob. Yeah. But let, let's say it was within four months for sure. Um, and, and they managed to be able to field a team um, and, and put on a good show and have the right venue. So certainly it can be done. But I bet if you ask them, would they have enjoyed having six to eight months? Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. definitely. Scott, I'll hand it to you for your final thoughts there. I mean, I think sponsorship and all that stuff is a great idea, but I think there is a there is a timeline to that because I could see, again, you know, we talked about how early do you want to announce these things and then do these things not happen or God forbid, you know, the, the season doesn't happen for a particular um you know, team, it's mm-hmm. again, we don't want to wish that on anybody, but we've seen it happen. We've seen a pandemic happen in the past three. You know what I mean? Like, so how much do you stock do you want to put in it to show the game plan? And then it fizzles out at some point. So that's, I'm just a little, little wary about the timeline, you know, is it too, and, but that's a, that's a team decision, right? So if the MLR says yeah. you have to have this benchmark at six months, which is whatever, you know, a stadium four months is branding, Three months is a group of players signings, potential signings, you know, that you're in um, talks with, you know, things like that. You know, I, if you're adhering to that, it's relatively close to the season. It kind of makes sense. It's just these long-term announcements to try and drop things like season tickets for the Miami Sharks. Little bit early, in my opinion, yeah. considering Great. you know they haven't talked about venue. They just hired a head. Well, coach. that's why I said, yeah, do they have a GM? Do yeah, do they do they have a GM? Um, yeah, Martin you know, Winters or GM. Okay, you know, yeah, but what I'm saying is like it's it's those questions, and yeah. then throw in their season tickets, which was kind of a a random thing. I mean, yeah, even yeah. now, like you know, because right now they're the the teams are just starting to do renewals. It, it, you bring up a good year, point. You know? It's a pretty bold move, in my opinion. I, I like the fact that some of the stuff has come earlier than what we've seen in the past, but I don't like the fact that you're asking for me for money right now as a fan. Yeah, as early as you are, without having built right. the trust in your brand right. or my community. I mean, but you know, it's also one of those things where current teams are asking that in in season ticket deposits, and you know, we have certain teams that might not be playing in their same stadiums next year, and they're just asking for a down payment. Really, they're not asking for the full thing. And, but, and I get that, but they built the trust to be right. able to do that, or they haven't built the trust and they're trying to, um, <laughs> and asking. You know, in in some instances, let's be honest, in well, some instances, <laughs> yeah, in some instances that trust is not there with current MLR teams and their fan bases. And you can see that mm-hmm. online, you know, and that's not based upon 
uh, 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 standings. That's based upon things that have happened in the past. Again, transparency. But yeah. yeah, so I think I think you know it's a bold move, but you know, don't put the cart before the horse. Sometimes you know, right. And and I certainly think one of those things that we've seen from the Miami Sharks is asking for ticket sales now, uh, requesting money from fans you've yet to even do a great job of engaging. Now, I'm not saying they're doing a terrible job. They're doing what they can from afar, but they're not boots on the ground yet, right? They're not connecting with community players. They're not connecting with local businesses. Um, but yet, I bet you they're selling corporate ticket sales. Right. Um, so, so the very first thing you want to be able to do is to reach out with an open hand and say, hey, give me some money. And I promise you we'll put on a good product without even actually asking somebody. I mean, that's like me being walking up to you and trying to sell you this fictitious thing on a promise alone. And yet rugby fans know empty promises have been seen before when it comes to the United States and, and all across the game, not just at the highest levels. So if they are skeptical, if they are weary, and I would imagine ticket sales would not be uh, phenomenal in the start. Um, but yeah, it's, it's perhaps a delicate balance as to when do you actually ask? I don't have that answer, except to say that now is not the right time, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, you're also, you're, you touched on another point though, a, a moment ago, Scott, and it made me think of something else because as much as this conversation has been, um, in, in talking about the MLR, developing some sort of strategy that is shared with fans and that, that could also be an opportunity, which might be future investors. So there's a lot of clarity in this, in this, in that, and the benefits we've spoken about, and we've spoken about all of this, framing it as bringing new teams in, but. We've already seen quite a few teams exit. So there probably should be a strategy for that too. We have the Raptors who chose to be able to exit. Now, that also was coincided with the uh, uh, the onset of, of, of uh, the COVID pandemic. So they were already planned and scheduled to leave that season as reports share. Then we have LA and we have uh, uh, Alston. And, and truth be told, we're still a young league. We, league. we may see one or two drop by the wayside. Uh, before we even get one or two more. Um, so, you know, we, 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 we don't have to delve into to, to it now. That might be a topic for another day, certainly so. But it would be interesting once we figure out how teams come in and the transparency around it, we also have to plan for what teams may leave along the way and how to handle that. We've figured it out sometimes with uh, the dispersal draft, uh, things like that, you know, and, and, and in this case, it was to the benefit of the Chicago Hounds. But I wonder if we had to rewind and we had to do it all over again and L.A. and Austin were still in the league, how well would Chicago have been prepped for their first season? You know, how well could they have done in, in reaching all these benchmarks in only three or four months? Well, that's why I think it was not, they, they took it they took advantage of an opportunity right i don't know no. if, if if both the gilcrest teams were still in it i don't know that chicago would have come in in the same way you're right you know? and, and absolutely and and that's probably because they wouldn't have been able to meet those benchmarks and that comes back to the original point of this conversation yeah. so we can agree that 4 months is probably not enough but they were given the opportunity and took it wisely and made it work yeah 
So, gentlemen, I think that that's an interesting point for us to be able to leave it there. We know we have one in 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 the bag already, one to compare it against with the Chicago Hounds, who under a lot of stress have done a phenomenal job to be able to be where they are right now um, in their organization, the strength that they have. They have a great future ahead as a franchise. I'm sure many fans would agree. Um, where Miami Sharks will be from now until uh, the start of the next season, we don't know. We'll continue to be able to follow it, but we wanted to be able to hear from you as the rugby fan. So tell us what you think about this topic and all the others that we share week after week here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. You can do so under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where you share any content you like with us. They're all the normal social media platforms. And of course, you can find us online through all your podcast providers, wherever you may choose to listen to us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Gentlemen, episode 134 in the bag. Let's go, baby. <laughs> All right. So again, thank you very much. And a special thank you to my co-host, yeah, Scott, the big guy Ferrara, Rob, the hammer, hammer Schmidt, always, always delivering the hard hitting facts, helping you understand rugby as a fan. And of course, going deeper than any others before. I thank you gentlemen for help, helping me do this. Uh, it's been a blast as per usual. Um, and I'm happy to be able to say that we're going to be doing it again next week. My name is Ty, the Safra Braga. We'll see you next week, folks.